Hello and welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, the podcast that looks at global trends likely to impact insurance and the world we live in for years and even decades to come. This podcast is brought to you by Allianz Insurance and I'm your host, Steph McGovern. Now, in the past, we've tackled subjects as diverse as blockchain, autonomous vehicles, AI and cyber security. And in this series, you'll be able to learn more about the impact of smart industry and 5G. But today it's sustainability taking centre stage, specifically sustainable claims. Now it's a crucial element of Allianz's business and is about protecting customers while aiming to meet environmental commitments. Now in short, it means that physical damage resulting in a claim could be fixed using recycled or sustainable products. But I will let our expert panel tell you much more about how this works and what it all means. So I'm joined by Colin Davies, who's the Head of Supplier Services in Claims at Alliance, Bronwyn Clare, who's the Senior Programme Manager at ClimateWise, Jason Cross, who's the Client Relationship Director at Synetic, which is a vehicle salvage agent, and Lauren Robson, who's Insurance Services Account Manager from Plastic Surgeon. Welcome to all of you to the podcast. Um, Colin, let me start with you. Just define for us, what do we mean by sustainable claims? Yeah, gladly, Steph. Thank you. So um, sustainability is, of course, a really topical subject. And for us to be truly sustainable, um, our solutions need to work positively for all parties across the claim. So that's our customer, our supply chain, and, and of course, ourselves. Now, the claim solutions are one of the most tangible areas where Allianz can drive sustainability. And when we provide a solution to our customer who has suffered a loss, um, we'll look to prioritise the use of a service that has the best long-term outcome for the environment and for the communities we operate in. And this includes minimising the impact we have on the environment by protecting the natural resources and reducing avoidable waste, um, whilst also enhancing the customer's journey throughout the claim. Yeah. And, and Colin, can you just tell us why is this so important to Allianz to be doing this? Yeah, it's one of our key strategic themes as a business. And obviously, we recognise that we are a large global provider in the insurance industry, if not other industries in comparison. So it's very important that we recognise where we can impact and where we can improve and develop on the environmental aspects that we're working on. So this isn't just about claims. I know we're talking about claims today, but this goes right across our Alliance business. Yeah, it's, it's such a huge thing now, sustainability, isn't it? And Bronwyn, I mean, it's an important area of work for your organisation, climate-wise, isn't it? So can you give us just a bit of background on what you guys do? Certainly, thank you. ClimateWise is an insurance industry leadership group. Um, we have over 30 international firms now and we're convened by the University of Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership. The group shares a commitment to reducing the impact of climate change on the insurance industry as well as in the broader society. We have three key focuses that I'll, I'll briefly mention here. Um, we have an annual uh, reporting process against the ClimateWise principles, which so our members such as Allianz um, are annually reporting on their climate-related disclosures. Uh, the second piece of our work is around convening. So we have regular meetings to discuss how uh, different firms can take a leadership on the challenges and opportunities facing the industry. And finally, we do research. Um, now, sustainable claims have continued to be a key part of the principles and our annual reporting as well as our research. Um, and we see uh, progress in this issue. We see members taking up uh, more uh, and, and more options for incorporating this into their own procurement processes and also how they engage with their customers. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, and I want to come back on some of the things you've said there, but uh, let's bring Jason in at this point, because J- Jason, Synetic are a green parts supplier, aren't they? Can you just explain what that is? 
Hi, Steph. Basically, green parts, there's lots of terms for green parts, reclaimed parts, other terms used of used parts, which I don't really like very much, but reclaimed or green parts are parts recovered from previously damaged vehicles, which have been checked and tested for quality, grading, etc. Um, they're, OE, they're OE parts in the main, which we supply back to insurers and fleets. Uh, so they're tested. So yeah, a green part is something we recovered from, from a damaged vehicle uh, and, and checked and tested so it can be resupplied uh, without any issues at all. And I, I head up the team at, at Synetic that is responsible for supplying uh, green parts back to uh, some of the largest fleets and insurers in the country, yeah, in large, in large numbers. And, and Jason, you've got some really interesting statistics on all of this, haven't you? Like, for example, car doors. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. In terms of uh, car doors, an example, uh, you can only buy, um, they only make original equipment uh, doors for cars. They don't make any aftermarket or non-genuine ones. So they're made on the, out of uh, the best materials. Uh, when you, when you um, crash a car or, or, or a vehicle in any, any kind, the doors are often in really good condition. You know, hit the car in the front, everything else is normally good. And in terms of statistics-wise, um, each door, a new door, uses up at over 100 kilograms of CO2 to make. So if you can reuse a door from an old a vehicle, not necessarily an old vehicle, just a vehicle which is not, no longer fit f- for use on the road, you can save 100 kilos per door by using a, a green door. Uh, just to give you some idea, last year we sold over 20,000 green doors in various states so that equates to a serious amount of uh, co2 over 2000 tons of uh, co2 saved so yeah it, it, we're talking very very large numbers here in 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 the uk insurance repair market last year using some data that came out through um, cap hpi and Adatex a few weeks ago um, uh, they've Adatex create the, the list for, for for parts that need to be replaced under insurance repair and over 228,000 doors were deemed to be needing replaced last year. That's just front doors. That's not all the others. So if you can think of how much that would be if we could reuse those parts again safely uh, by using some of the systems that we've got currently got in place would be amazing. It's really fascinating when you put it like that, isn't it? When you can actually kind of extrapolate this and, and work out how much could be saved in yeah. terms of, of carbon and things from it. Um, Lauren, let me bring you in at this point. So give us it from your perspective. Just tell us a bit about Plastic Surgeon and, and what you guys are doing around this area. Hi, Steph. Thank you. We're doing restorations to basically any hard surfaces within the home, whether it be your kitchen units from water damage, fire damage, impact to tile floorings, UPVC windows and doors, you name it, we can look to to restore that. And it doesn't matter how big or small the job is. It's not just the amount that we're saving from going to landfill, but we're also reducing life cycles of claims, which generally I find in today's world, people are more time poor. You don't you don't have the time either to dedicate to to having you know your kitchen ripped out, which really is for what is usually a small element of damage. It costs a lot in enabling works to have that area repaired, no matter what it is. So we're saving on a lot of different aspects there, really, and it's just a great alternative for both the insurer and and the customer, really. Mm. And do you have kind of the car door equivalent of a particular part? 
Yeah, I have. Said, that was really interesting, by the way, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we we started with Alliance last August, so we've got sort of a year's view, and so we measure the the, the tons from going to landfill for all of our clients, and for Alliance alone, we have saved the equivalent of fourteen sort of three bedroom houses from going to landfill since then. Wow, which is quite a lot of waste. If you think of a standard three bedroom property, you know, fourteen of those just since August from going into landfill is a huge amount yeah uh, and I mean it's really clear Lauren and Jason from what you've said that, that there are real tangible benefits there so Bronwyn can you give us the, the wider picture is, is this what we're seeing across the board then to an extent definitely uh, I think uh, firms are definitely exploring uh, what they could be doing because they are seeing uh, the, the many benefits now I, I would classify there being three main key benefits here, which I think all have been touched on. So reducing the time scale for repair, which is really, I think, in the customer's interest as well. As we've been talking about, you're, you're reducing business or customer, sort of personal customer interruption, and also the disturbance for the customer, and hopefully overall giving them a much a better service then as well. Um, it reduces the material and energy usage, which creates additional savings um, and less resources being used within the production and the transport of new materials because often there's also uh, costs in the background like uh, like logistics like the transport needed for the the new uh, items to be delivered as well as then all the the labor uh, input um, and finally yeah uh, that strong point about reducing the waste and the waste disposal requirements Jason can I ask you then what the kind of buy it is like from customers on this like what do they make of it all it's a case of educating the the public around What's the, what are the disadvantages to using a, a, a reclaimed door off a, off a vehicle if it's checked and tested? If you ask the question, what do you see? That it's hard to find a reason not to do it. When you think of not only the environmental savings, but there are cost savings too added to that. Uh, and like um, it's just been mentioned around transport and all these issues. But in terms of how people are receiving it, in a recent survey done by Allianz, 69% of people said that they would be happy to fit a green part on a car. What we've got to do is highlight the benefits, let them know any concerns they've got and put them to one side, you know. What are the problems with fitting green parts? There aren't any, as far as I'm concerned. As long as you keep your range really narrow, so you don't use any safety-related items, you know. Um, Lauren, you wanted to add, and then I'm going to go to Bronwyn after you. Yeah, I just think for me personally, I've personally been in in the industry for around eight years, and this, to me, is now the new normal. It's something that out, even outside of claims, we're all more aware of, we're, we're all more conscious of, of what we're doing. So it's when, once you list out the benefits, it's kind of a, why not? And I think for me, when you mentioned the the interaction with a customer, that's, that's my favourite thing. When you've got a customer who is a bit more apprehensive and, and you list out the benefits, it's, it's a great challenge and it's great to overcome and really demonstrate what we can do for them. And the after bit of that is always so positive um, for them to see, wow, this, you know, this is really the option. This is really, really great, especially this day and age when people are spending a lot more money on things like their kitchens and their bathrooms. You know, you, you take the time to save the money to choose that that specialist um, material really you you don't want any other option than to have that put back to how it was before and have it restored 
Yeah, as someone who's in the middle of uh, doing their kitchen, I can totally agree with that. And and it sounds from what all of you are saying, like there's a lot of enthusiasm there now. And, you know, we are trying to be more conscious of st- sustainability. But Bronwyn, what, what are the challenges? Because there must be challenges in all of this. In terms of the challenges uh, for the industry and what we've seen coming through um, for the members, often it's about um, the documentation about the environmental impact of the claims process being quite poor. So I think um, uh, Jason and Lauren have highlighted the information that they can provide and that needs to, I think, build and grow um, so that it becomes part of the, the claims process in itself and can be tracked and monitored by firms and then being able to report publicly so that that customer relationship builds. Uh, so I think definitely more documentation of the, the information that's part of the claims process and their environmental impact would, would be really beneficial. Um, the general perception about sustainability improvements as being affordable or unaffordable. Um, so how much do does repair cost and, and meeting those safety standards giving customers the confidence? So how can you work in that sort of cost versus quality conversation and, and give customers the reassurance that they're going to receive the, the right items? Um, and then that kind of replacement mindset within the industry. So often the way that the policies are written or just sort of the general approach can mean that uh, the the sustainable claims don't necessarily become the sort of the default choice. You can you get the sense, I think, within our conversations that that is moving, but I, I think it will needs to become the default. Yeah, and then adding to that, then Colin, what is it do you think then that brokers need to know? So um, I think from from my perspective, um, what we need to do is make sure that, that the sustainable claim solutions, they're, they're much more commonplace now than they've ever been, I think. Um, but now it's about needing to make sure that the brokers and all parties in the insurance chain really um, are continue to be educated each other and, and the opportunities that are ahead of us. So um, I think we need to make sure from an Alliance perspective that we provide the brokers with a clear understanding of what solutions are on offer um, via Alliance and, and particularly within claims as we're talking about today. Uh, and we're, we're well placed to provide this and with the ongoing support and delivery to our customers. So really working in partnership with the brokers is going to be key on this to make sure that they're clear over what the options are and what the benefits are to their clients. Can you explain then how the insurance industry is trying to push sustainability in the long term? Yeah, sure. The industry's got much more focus on sustainability than we, we've ever had before, but each insurer will be on their own journey. Now, speaking from an alliance perspective, um, we're obviously looking at a number of things, um, including the sustainable insurance solutions, but more widely, we provide solutions for our customers, including insurance that supports renewables and energy efficiency around the world. We also withdrew from insuring single coal-fired power plants and coal mines in operations and planning. Uh, and we're committed to a full phase-out of all coal-based business models from our proprietary investments and property and casualty insurance portfolios by 2040. Uh, and probably the last thing I just mentioned is, is our carbon reduction. So we have an established carbon reduction strategy which manages CO2 emissions from our operations and supports the commitment we've made to minimising our environmental footprint. So we committed to reducing our CO2 emissions globally by 30% by employee um, by the end of last year, and that was against our 2010 baseline. So I'd say our, our industry is talking and acting on environmental issues more now than I've seen probably in the past 30 years of, of my time in insurance, and that's got to be a good thing for everybody. Yeah, and Bronwyn, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I definitely um, echo all, all of the comments Colin has just made here. And the other aspect I'd say that the industry is also pushing into is using our skills to show where the risk is at the beginning of the conversation. So when planning is being done on the locations for new homes or businesses, are they sitting on a floodplain? Are there um, mitigating steps that could be taken in the design of homes to deal with potential for flooding from, from the... the the nearby, um, say, hills and, and rivers. So thinking through at the beginning when you're having conversations with uh, a customer about the, the policy itself, you're starting to now, I think, have a much more um, informed conversation about the risk exposure that they're facing and what that uh, long-term picture is going to look like. So whilst your insurance contract might still be quite short-term, you're actually also having quite long-term conversations about the relationship that you have with your insurer. What more would you like to see? For good practice in this space, what I'd really like to see is more targets and benchmarks being set so that we can make measurement and then be able to report that information back out there so there's more facts for people to grab onto. Um, I really love some of the examples that were being brought forward here from Jason and Lauren on the volumes because I think that really starts to, to connect with people when they can see that you know the impact this is having is quite tangible. And I think that also inform, that leads into sort of two other key points that, that I'd like to make around the need for, for training and to inform both the supply and the insurers about how this impacts on their business or doesn't really, that it, it's quite part of the process and it can easily become uh, integrated and, and move into the, the regular claims process, as they say, become default, um, become the preferred one. And that also you can incentivise your suppliers. This is in everyone's best interest. So how do we also then make this more either contractually or financially part of the arrangements we have within the supply chain? And that's really where I think we're seeing first steps from the majority of insurers being sustainable procurement policies. So they're stepping in, they're they're saying, yes, we're going to connect our sustainability policy with our procurement policy. And I think now we we need to see it also be more tangibly connected to the the claims process. Um, Colin, do you want to jump in? I, I was just going to say it's it's not only about what the insurance industry does. It's not only about what our supply partners do in the claims world. Um, it's the extra pieces that, that, that the firms that Lauren works for and Jason works for and what they do in the wider industries in the country and across the globe, that they can bring the ideas back into the insurance industry as well. You know, insurers won't have all of the answers. Um, we'll have a lot. You know, we, we've got a lot of good, good knowledge within the insurance industry. Um, but gleaning the information from the likes of Lauren and Jason, their companies and the other supply partners that we use across all of our supply networks uh, is where we can kind of encompass everything and really drive sustainable change. So just to wrap things up then, can each of you kind of give me your summation then of the the future of sustainable claims? Uh, Jason, I'm going to kick off with you because I can see you're you're already deep in thought there. (laughs) The future definitely is going down the green route, the uh, reduce, reuse, recycle route. It'll be played a part by having fantastic partners who trust your skills and your professionalism and your duty of care around how you handle their products, such as Alliance. We're very proud of that relationship. As you could probably tell, we're excited about the future. But I can say, in a, you obviously drive a car, Steph, I would imagine. A couple of years' time, you will, if you're unfortunate enough to need a, co- a door on your car, almost certainly you will be buying a green, not a green door, but a green door <laughs> to fit onto your car. And in fact, you'd be hard pushed not to go there, Steph, and say, can I have an option of a green door, please? Um, so yeah, clearly, two or three years time, not as long as you imagine, 
the first choice for a set of products that would, can be removed safely and efficiently restored back onto another vehicle will be a reclaimed part. Mm. Yeah. Lauren, what are your concluding thoughts on this, the future of uh, sustainable claims? I think it's just to, to grow and grow and educate and just really embed the, the reuse, recycle method, really, and ethos and just just get that out there to to the insurers. I think when Bronwyn touched on sort of facts and figures, insurance is actually quite a small element of what plastic surgeons do. The big key players in the construction and the house build market, uh, believe it or not. And over the last five years, the insurance sector for us has grown around 10%, which just really shows the commitment insurers are making. I mean, for, for me, insurance as a whole is one of the most sustainable industries um, so now that they're taking that sustainable approach to handling their claims and moving that forward, I, I think things can only really get better and it's just really shaping the future. Yeah. Colin? Yeah, I, I'd agree with everything that's been said so far. I mean, it's it's for me, it's more important than ever to keep the discussion around sustainability going and, and to make sure we're investing in the opportunities when we see them. We've talked about reduce, reuse, recycle approach, and I think that will continue to play into the whole claims journey. Um, the solutions will become more of the norm from a sustainability point of view and, and probably move into the first choice. You know, we talked about it, it maybe being a last choice historically and, and moving through the ranks, but will much more become a first choice for, for when it comes to resolving claims. Now, we're working constantly uh, and looking for innovation in, in what we do to make the claims proposition more sustainable, whether that's within Alliance ourselves or working with key partners, as we're talking through today with Plastic Surgeon and Synetic. So I think we've made some good progress so far. Mm, yeah. And Bronwyn, final words with you on this. I think uh, sustainable claims will be a critical part of the industry responding to climate change. So we'll just get more and more traction over the coming future. There are clear uh, benefits for both the mitigation of climate risk through the, uh, the reduced greenhouse gases and reduced waste, but also for the adaptation options that when you go in and you're doing the retrofit, it's almost like a dynamic option to be able to respond better and to build back better. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for all of your thoughts on this. It's been totally fascinating. I've got some uh, fantastic stats that I'm now armed with as well. Thank you very much to uh, all of uh, my guests. Colin Davies, Head of Supplier Services and Claims at Alliance. Uh, Bronwyn Clare, the Senior Programme Manager at ClimateWise. Jason Cross, Client Relationship Director at Synetic. And Lauren Robson, Insurance Services Account Manager from Plastic Surgeon. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through your usual podcast provider. It means you won't miss an episode. Plus, we'd love it if you could leave a review, which makes it, of course, easier to find us. I'm Steph McGovern. Thank you very much for listening.